Romans chapter 1, verses 14 through 22, the Word of God says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And let's pray. Lord, thanks for the scripture. These verses hold so many truths, so many things we could bring out of them, but I pray today as we discuss this, subject that you've put on my heart, that you would encourage hearts. Help us, Lord, to see the folly of living without you and to see the beauty of living by faith. Help us to know what that means and how to live by faith even in the most troublesome of times. We pray if there's those listening that need to be saved, that you'd help them see their need of you and that they would accept you today as their Savior. Be born again. We pray for every child of God, regardless of what religious state they're in, that they'd be drawn closer to you and that our faith would be increased because of what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our text verse out of all the verses we read is verse 17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. What a powerful verse. This morning I want to preach a message entitled Living by Faith. Living by Faith. The word faith is used 253 times in the King James Bible. Uh, the, the Bible's emphasis on faith is undeniable. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. We are to live by faith in God and His Word after salvation. A faith is a beautiful thing. Living by faith is a wonderful thing. But some mock the faith of believers. How many times has a Christian been mocked for being, quote, dumb enough to believe in God? How many new believers have been questioned by family and friends about their newfound faith? The intelligentsia crowd ridicules a life of faith, saying things like, I won't believe it unless I see it. As for me, my friend, I don't apologize for believing in God. As a matter of fact, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. It takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to be a believer in God and in His Word. I submit to you this morning that everyone lives by faith whether they know it or not. Think about that. Everyone lives by faith whether they know it or not. The Christian lives by faith, the atheist lives by faith. The religious, the non-religious. Uh, in the Bible terms, the Greek and the barbarian, the Jew and the Gentile, 
everybody lives by faith. You see, God made man to live by faith. We are creatures that live by faith, whether we acknowledge it or not. So man has no choice but to live by faith. The only choice we get is what we choose to put our faith in. What do we choose to rely on? Everyone lives by faith. We all make faith-based decisions every day. Did you know that before you sit in a chair, you make an unconscious decision whether or not it can hold your weight? Did you know that before you eat at a restaurant, you make an unconscious decision to decide whether it's safe or not? Did you know that when you drive down the road, you are trusting the other person to stay on their side of the yellow line? You're going 65 miles an hour. They're going 65 miles an hour coming your direction. You're separated by 5 to 10 feet. And the only thing between you is a little line on the road a few millimeters high. Now, if you were to put that in any other scenario, in any other time frame before vehicles were invented, people would say, that's crazy. That's crazy. Do you know that every time you get in an airplane, you do it by faith? You don't know how avionics works. Most people don't understand the physics of how a heavy metal plane can achieve lift and fly. Furthermore, you don't even know for sure where the plane's going. You look at a little board on a sign in an airport, and it says going to Chicago, and you say, oh, okay. Have you seen the flight plan? Furthermore, you don't know the pilot. You don't even know if he's got a license. You don't know if he's sober. You don't even know if he's up there. You say, well, of course he's up there because, and because, and because, see, we trust the airline to manage the pilots. We trust the place that educated the pilots. We trust the pilot to be in good health and to be of right mind. We trust the airline to put the right sign on the right gate. We trust, we trust, we trust, we trust. Every day, all day long, we make faith-based decisions. If you say, well, I won't believe it unless I see it. Uh, that does, just doesn't bear out in your life. Someone will say, not true. I don't live by faith. I live by science and statistics. But by their own admission, they have faith in science and statistics. Take a stat about anything you want. You believe the statistic. Did you gather the information yourself? No. Did you correlate the information? No. Did you see the results with your own eyes? No. Did you double check and confirm the findings? No. But you believe the statistic. Even in that one simple example, there are multiple levels of faith that we engage in without even thinking about. The list could go on and on. I hope you see today how faith is involved in the simplest decisions we make every day. So in this way, the atheist and agnostic live by faith along with the religious person. It's just a difference in what we choose to believe in. God made every human to live by faith. The only question is, in what are you putting your faith? 
So the question becomes, what is faith? Before we get to our text in the Bible, what is faith? If we were to ask you for a definition of what does faith mean to you, what would you say? When you look up the word faith, it's a big word with various definitions based on the context, but the core definitions are always revolving around confidence, trust, or reliance. Noah Webster said, faith is an affectionate, practical confidence in the testimony of God. Think about that. That's the Webster of Webster Dictionary fame. Webster's 1828 Dictionary. We like that dictionary. It's the oldest English dictionary closest to the the English that was used in our King James Bible. Uh, He says in the first definition, faith is belief. The assent of the mind to the truth of what is declared by another, resting on his authority and veracity or truthfulness without other evidence. So your wife says, I'm going to the store, honey. And you say, oh, yeah, prove it. Prove to me. What evidence do you have you're going to the store? Your husband came home and says, I was at work, honey, all day. Oh, yeah. Show me the mileage on the car. Show me the GPS. Where did you travel? Well, we take people by at their word all day long. Uh, faith in God is simply that we are willing to believe God as much or more than we are willing to believe others. And this is hard in a world we live in. Folks, you're lied to every single day. Every day you get lied to. There's lies on TV, whether nowadays it's the news or it's some commercial or infomercial that's promising to take away all your problems if you buy a certain product, or it's uh, uh, someone you loved has lied to you and betrayed you in the past. Everybody is lied to every single day. Well, God is not one who lies to us. The truth is God cannot lie, Titus chapter 1, verse 2 tells us. And so we believe God. What is faith? It's the ascent of the mind to the truth of a proposition advanced by another. Belief on probable evidence of any kind. People say, well, you Christians, you just believe in blind faith. Oh, our faith isn't blind. Open your eyes and look around. All you have to do is walk outside and open your eyes, folks. Look at the sky. Look at the sun, the clouds, the flowers, the trees, the grass. Take in a deep breath of fresh air. Go out at night and look at the multitude of stars all in their course. Is it so hard to believe that those things were put there? You look at a sculpture and say, wow, somebody made that. You look at a painting and say, wow, somebody painted that. You look at a car and say, wow, the car maker did a good job. But you look at creation and say, wow, this happened by accident. What takes more faith to believe that all of this is some cosmic accident that happened by a series of unplanned mutations over billions and perhaps trillions of years? Or is there a creator? I don't look at my watch and say, wow, what a happy accident. And it's even set to the right time. No, science will tell us that the universe is fine-tuned. A scientist will tell us that the earth is fine-tuned to sustain life. If things were a fraction different than they are, none of us would be able to survive. Open your eyes. And that's what the scripture tells us is it talks about living by faith and having faith in the gospel and faith in God. But then it goes on and tells us, but some will not believe. Some have chosen not to believe. 
Romans 1.19 says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them or, or made a shown in them. For God showed it unto them. How did he show it to them? Verse 20, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they, the unbelievers, are without excuse. What's he saying? Everything you want to know about God, the invisible things, you can infer from the things that you can see. We have enough information in creation and in our daily experience to know certain truths about God. One, that He is there, and then we can begin to infer about His character and other things so that the Bible says there is enough evidence in creation and in your life today that you are without excuse. No one will stand before God and say, well, I just didn't have enough evidence to believe in you. No, we all have enough evidence. Because the truth is you were living by faith the whole time. You just had your faith in the wrong thing. Verse 21 says that because that, why are they without excuse? Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Isn't this the human condition? Did you know that every people group from the creation of the world believed in God until the last few hundred years? When mankind, making themselves gods, began to put faith in education and science falsely so-called. Do you know that if you're an atheist or agnostic today, you are one of the few people in the history of humanity that has held that position? And the only people that don't believe in God there are those that have been educated out of it. My friend, there is enough evidence to believe in a God. Further, there's enough evidence to believe in the true God. But, the, but God says they are without excuse and that when they, they saw all these things, they knew all these things, they glorified him not as God. Do you know that children grow up believing in a God until they're told there is no one, is not God, is no God? So there comes a time when the unbeliever says, I reject all of these other things and I'm going to choose to put my faith in a textbook, a professor, a philosophy, a school, an education, a form of science. And that is where my faith will rest. But what happens when you don't glorify God? The Bible then says neither were thankful. It's hard to be thankful when you think everything's an accident. It's hard to be thankful when you perhaps had taken a nihilistic view and everything's out of your control and things start in darkness, they end in darkness, there's nothing after, and very little good in between. What a hopeless way to live. I can't be thankful. But then it says what comes next, but became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened, so they began to imagine empty things. What about this? What if, what, what if America, what if the world was seeded by aliens? What if, what if this happened? What if that happened? Crazy imaginations that take more faith to believe than just believing what the Bible says. It says their foolish heart was darkened. Their heart just gets darker and darker and harder and harder. In verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. 
You know, humility leads to wisdom. Pride leads to destruction. And imagine the greatest pride of all, lifting yourself up against Almighty God. Claiming to be a God yourself. Is there any higher foolishness? No. Verse 23 says, They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like an incorruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. And so we see the, the worship of creation. The, you know, we live in a world where if you go out and, and, and hurt your dog, you can go to jail. But if you go to an abortion clinic and kill your baby, you're, you're lauded and they'll help you pay for it. Uh, just a crazy world. Once you get unanchored from the truth in Scripture, you begin to worship all the wrong things. You worship yourself and education, materialism, creation itself. You know, it's not a sin to shack up and sleep together. It's not a, it's not a sin to, to take what you want. But man, don't, don't pollute a river or melt a glacier. Those are the great sins. Why? Because when you become unanchored from God, you lose your true north and you're like somebody lost in the fog, not knowing which direction is which. So what's the answer? The answer is living by faith. Now, we've talked about the fact that everybody lives by faith, whether they know it or not. The goal is to live by faith in God. So what is faith? Reformers Unanimous, a faith-based addiction recovery program, presents this, this definition for faith, and I like it. Faith is a personal measure of the level of my confidence in what God has done and will do in, through, and for me. So faith is a personal measure of my confidence in God. When we talk about your faith, we're talking about your personal measure. So on a scale of zero, meaning no faith, to 100 full faith, where do you fall on that scale and how much you are trusting God today? Faith is a personal measure of my confidence in God. And in these uncertain times, we need faith more than ever. You don't need less faith, you need more faith. Consider Hebrews 11.1. 1. The Bible says, now faith is, this is the biblical definition for faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. What does that mean? It means that faith is the assurance of things expected, the conviction that it will happen even though you haven't seen it yet. You know, I believe in Hawaii even though I've never seen it. People say, oh, everybody knows there's a Hawaii. Why? Well, I've seen pictures. So you trust the person taking the picture? You trust the caption in the encyclopedia? You trust the caption on the... See, this idea that you just, you'll, you'll only believe it when you see it is folly. It's ridiculous. Now, just so you know, I do believe in Hawaii, okay? But I also believe in heaven. And I believe the scriptural accounts of heaven are just as significant as if somebody took a picture and sent it to me of Hawaii. So, we've talked about what faith is. We've talked about that everybody lives by faith. In light of these definitions, what does it mean to live by faith? Uh, look at Romans chapter 1 again, verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. From faith to faith. Let me give you just three thoughts about what living by faith means 
and then we'll go to the house today. Uh, number one, living by faith is relying on the character of God. Living by faith is relying on the character of God. Uh, to know God is to love God. I believe that with all my heart. And the more you learn about the character and perfection of God, the more you will trust him. First uh, John says that perfect love casteth out fear. What that means is that when you, when you understand that someone loves you, you're not afraid of them. Uh, I went to bed last night in full assurance that I was in safety of my life. You know, my wife could have killed me in the night. I mean, she could have. In any way she wanted, I was sleeping. But, you know, I trust my wife not to kill me. Now, that's a good thing if you can trust your wife not to kill you. I, I had full faith that my children weren't going to sneak into my room and put a pillow over my head hoping for their inheritance, right? They know I'm broke, so that helps. They, they, it's better for me that if I stay alive than that if I die, and I'll take care of them. But uh, it, I had full assurance that I, went, I put my head down in safety last night because I was surrounded by people that love me. You know, when you get convinced of the love of God, it casts out fear. It casts out all the things that, 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 that uh, bring fear to your life. And, well, I wonder if God's just waiting up there to hurt me. I wonder if God's just going to punish me. I wonder if God's just, then you don't know God. And so the more we know about God, the more we understand the love and the character and the perfection of God, the more we will trust him and the more we can go through life in faith. And what is the character of God? Well, just let me give you a couple of things. First of all, God cannot lie. Titus 1-2 says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Aren't you glad God can't lie to you? He's never lied to you. There's never been anything he said that's proven wrong. God cannot lie. Next, God is generous. James 1-17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You know God's generous. He's not stingy. He gave us a body for our soul. He gave us a world for our body. He gave us tons of things in this world that are made for our pleasure. He gave us other people. The list goes on and on. Every single day, the goodness of God is evident in our lives. God is generous. God is loving. 1 John 4, 16 says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Aren't you glad God loves you? Next, the Bible says God is light. First John 1, 5, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. This just gets better and better. Next, God is just and right. Deuteronomy 32, 4 says he, Jehovah, is the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are judgment a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. See, when we trust the character of God, we understand that he is perfect, he always has been, and he will never change. The great verse Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. God's always been good, he is good today, he always will be good. We can trust the character of God. Most people have some idea of God in their head that is some patchwork of different ideas and philosophies and thoughts that they've gathered over the years. Well, I tell you this morning that the true God, as God has revealed himself 
is far greater than anything I could conceive on my own. So living by faith is relying on the character of God. I know who God is. I know what God does. I don't understand him all the time. But when I can't see his hand, I can trust his heart because I know who he is. So living by faith is relying on the character of God. Next, living by faith is believing in the gospel of Christ. Look back at Romans chapter 1. Verse 14 says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. Uh, how, how is he in debt? Verse 15, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the what? The gospel to you that are at Rome also. What's the gospel? It's the good news. 1 Corinthians 15 defines the gospel as the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. He was buried and rose again the third day. That's the gospel, the good news. Verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why isn't he ashamed? And remember, when he says he's not ashamed, people were going to prison for this. They were getting beat and going to prison and killed for their faith in this thing called the gospel. But he stood up and said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, even with all this trouble, even with all this danger. Why? For it is the power of God. Isn't that good? Unto what? Unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. See, the gospel is how we get saved. The gospel is the power of God to transform us from sinners into saints, uh, from those going to hell to those going to heaven, from those who are lost to those who are found, from those who are guilty to those who are forgiven. It is the power of the gospel that brings salvation. And notice that this salvation is available to everyone regardless of culture or status or background or history or past. doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. The gospel is available for you today if you believe. See, it's available to everyone that believeth. Now look at verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. So therein points back to the gospel. In the gospel... The righteousness of God is revealed. Now, the the phrase the righteousness of God is not talking about God's righteousness. It's talking about God's imputed righteousness. How you, as a sinner, can be righteous in the eyes of God. So the gospel, inside the gospel, reveals how we can be made righteous in the eyes of God. And that is through faith. Verse 17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Now, it's interesting, the first faith is saving faith. The Christian life begins with the new birth through faith in the gospel. Jesus explained that no one can go to heaven unless they're born again. John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Then again in verse 7, he told this, teacher of the Jews, this man who should have known these things, but he was ignorant of how to become righteous with God. Nicodemus thought that, that being a good person would get you to heaven. Being a good Jew would get you to heaven. And Jesus was teaching him, no, marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again, he said in John chapter 3, verse 7. How is one born again? By confessing their sin and trusting in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
The most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16, was given to Nicodemus. A lot of Christians don't understand that. John 3.16 is still in the same conversation that he's having with Nicodemus. So Nicodemus, how is one born again? How does this make sense? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Isn't that good? See, living by faith begins at salvation. You can't live by faith and, unless you're saved. And I encourage you today, if there's never been a time in your life when you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, make today the day. I mean, right now, God forbid, if something were to happen, do you have confidence and peace knowing for sure that you're going to heaven? And if the answer is no, you don't need to live that way. You don't need to fear what's coming. You don't need to fear death because you can know that you have peace with God and have been made righteous in the eyes of Almighty God through faith in Jesus Christ. What does it mean to live from faith to faith? Well, the first faith is saving faith. Living by faith begins at salvation. So we said, number one, living by faith is relying on the character of God. Number two, living by faith is believing in the gospel of Christ. And number three, living by faith is trusting in the word of God. See, if you consider the phrase from faith to faith once more, the first faith is saving faith. The last faith is living faith. So we get saved by faith. And then after we're saved, we are to live by faith. Colossians chapter 2 says, As ye have received the Lord Jesus, so walk ye in him. How did you receive him? By faith. How am I supposed to walk in him? By faith. And so the second faith here is living faith. And then he goes on the end of the verse. We see a quote, as it is written, The just shall live by faith. That's the end of Romans chapter 1, verse 17. The just shall live by faith. Now, this is a quote from Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. The context in Habakkuk is that the prophet is speaking of the turmoil of the Babylonian captivity. God had been pronouncing judgment on his people for many years. The Chaldeans were going to come upon the land and destroy it. However, God's judgment wouldn't last forever. There would come a day whenever God would restore Israel back to preeminence and prosperity. But during this time, in impending judgment, during judgment, and waiting for the reconciliation, God admonished His people to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Is it any difference for us? We need to live by faith today. You say, oh, there's impending danger. Live by faith. Oh, we're going through danger. Live by faith. God, when are you going to deliver us? Live by faith. See, I don't know what the future holds, but I know the answer is living by faith. Live by faith, my friend. What does it mean to live by faith? Rely on the character of God. To believe in the gospel of Christ. And then lastly, living by faith is trusting in the word of god trusting in the word of god how do we live by faith today how do we know what god wants us to do through god's word 
Folks, I think we often take for granted God's Word. You realize that for much of history, they didn't have a complete Bible. Only in the last few thousand years have Christians had the complete Bible. Where before God would speak in visions, I was reading Ezekiel today in my personal Bible reading, and in one chapter, a vision came to Ezekiel, and in the next chapter, which to me is just a few minutes, just the next chapter, but it gives the month and the year of when the uh, vision came, and the next chapter, the next vision was a year and a half later. And this was Ezekiel. He heard from God often by comparison. Imagine if you could just know what God wanted every year, every year and a half, every 10 years, every 100 years. Folks, we get to know what God wants every single day through His Word. And God's Word is our guide in this life. The will of God and the Word of God are never in conflict. God leads us today through His book and through His Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one that teaches us and leads us and guides us into all truth. So the Holy Spirit opens the Word of God to me so that I can understand it. Then the Holy Spirit applies the Word of God to my specific situation. See, there's a lot of things that the Bible doesn't say. The Bible doesn't say in in Romans chapter 3, Paul Chapman, here's what you do during the coronavirus epidemic in 2020. No, but the Bible does give us principles of how to live in any time that never change. And the Holy Spirit takes these principles and applies them to my personal life so I know what to do today, March 22nd, 2020. Isn't that good news? And so living by faith is having a confidence in the Word of God. God's Word is inspired. God breathed. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. This book's God's breathe, God breathed. It didn't come by the will of man. This book wasn't just written by people over the years and then compiled by someone who kind of edited it and made it kind of similar. No, this book is the perfect Word of God, inspired by God. Many different writers over 1,500 years 66 different books, Old Testament and New Testament, and yet they are all in agreement. It's a miracle. No amount of editing can achieve perfection. All of us have picked up a book off the shelf that publishers have put tens of thousands of dollars into, and you find a typo. It's been out for years, and there's still typos in it. Folks, the the word of God here is a miracle. The fact that you have a Bible that's trustworthy, inspired and preserved is a miracle. And yet, none of us read it as we should. God's word is inspired. God's word is preserved. Psalm 12, 6 and 7 says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. See, God knew that mankind couldn't be trusted with the purified word of God. So he said, I'm going to I'm going to protect it. I'm going to keep it. Every generation has been promised to have a copy of God's word. You say, well, we don't have the originals. We don't need the originals. We have God's word. The inspired, preserved word of God. See, We can have confidence in God's word. 
Think about this. Not only is God's Word inspired and preserved, a lot I can say about God's Word, it's indestructible. See how many people have tried to destroy God's Word over the years? And yet here it is. God's Word is undeniable. Do you know the only thing they can do to try to keep down the power of God's Word is to keep it out of people's hands? They can't get rid of it. They can't destroy it. So the only thing they can try to do is keep it out of people's hands. Satan's trying to dilute it right now with hundreds of different versions, all different variations of, of diluted down, all different doctrines, important doctrines taken out. Uh, he's trying to dilute it. He's trying to keep it out of the government. He's trying to keep it out of the school systems. He's trying to, to mock it and shame it. And yet the Word of God in 2020, if you put it before people, it still divides unto that asunder of the soul and spirit. The Word of God still gets to the place in the soul of man that no one else can touch. We can have confidence in God's Word because God's Word is enough. I like that. God's Word is enough. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-4 through 4 says, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. See, the Bible says God's given us everything we need to know that pertains to life and godliness. Does the Bible contain everything you want to know? It doesn't. Does it answer every question that you might ever have? No. But it gives you everything you need to know to live for God. All things that pertain unto the, to life and godliness. And then they're called exceeding great and precious promises. If you were to read Hebrews chapter 11, you see that through faith, people did amazing things. They conquered the world, but they also died in peace. And we don't know what the future holds for any one of us, but we know this, living by faith is how we should live. Christians ought to go through this crisis differently than non-Christians. Believers ought to respond differently than non-believers. Why? Because we have something they don't have. We have faith in God. Oh, they have faith. They might believe what a news outlet says. They might put great trust in whether it's the president or doctors that speak out, the CDC, WHO, World Health Organization. Maybe they believe some conspiracy theorist online or some blogger somewhere. But the truth is everybody's believing somebody. We just need to believe God. See, everyone lives by faith. They have no choice. God made mankind to operate on faith. Yet the Creator allows you to decide where to place your faith. Let me ask you about salvation. How, you, how do you think you're going to go to heaven? <clears throat> well, there is no heaven. That's a faith position. You can't prove it. So you have faith. There's no heaven. I believe God. There is a heaven. 
How do you get to heaven? I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, like the Bible says he is. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried, and rose again like he said he did. And I believe that he'll save anybody, anywhere, anytime who asks him and believes in him and trusts him. That's what I believe. You say, oh, I don't believe any of that. That's a faith position. That's what you've chosen to believe. I believe God created the world. I believe he created the earth in seven days, the, the, everything that is in seven days, like the Genesis account. You say, oh, I don't, I don't believe that. Were you there when the worlds were created? Were you there when the stars were formed? Well, science says, and you trust those scientists, and you trust those findings, just like people trusted a certain group of people that were putting out information about global warming and they found out that they were fudging the statistics to make it look worse than it was. That was in the news. You know what I find? Most people that believe in science have never even studied creation science. They never give one moment's thought to all the evidence that debunks what they say they believe. Folks, it's all by faith. What do you choose to put your faith in? Because ultimately it doesn't matter what I believe. When it comes to your soul, it only matters what you believe. What do you think of Christ? And when it comes to your life, it only matters what you believe. My faith isn't enough for you. You have to decide. You have to choose who you believe. Whom do men say that I am? Some Elias, some one of the prophets. Whom do you say that I am? And Peter said, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Saved or lost, religious or non-religious, educated or uneducated, everybody lives by faith. What do you put your faith in? If we're going to live by faith as a Christian, it means relying on the character of God, believing in the gospel of Christ, trusting in the word of God, going through every day, putting my faith on the solid foundation of God and his word. Living by faith in Jesus above. Trusting, confiding in his great love. Let's live by faith today, amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to meet. Thank you for the word of God that speaks to our hearts. I pray these truths would comfort hearts, help us to see the need of your people. And Lord, if anybody hears this, it's not saved, may this be the day of their salvation. May they trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. With their heads bowed and eyes closed, we'll give you just a moment. And if you're watching online, we encourage you to take a moment as well. Uh, take a moment of quiet. If faith is your personal measure of your confidence in God, how much faith do you have? Maybe we would say today, as those said in the Bible, Lord, increase our faith. Lord, I need more faith. I want to trust you more. One person said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. They said, I, 
I believe a little and I doubt a lot. Help me to believe more. And Jesus chose to focus more on the faith than on the doubt. See, faith is as a grain of mustard seed. It doesn't take a whole lot to make a big difference. Just make sure your faith is in the right place today. Father, thank you for meeting with us. We pray that you'd give us a lot of wisdom as we go forward. Give our government wisdom dealing with this uh, virus and the recommendations. Uh, Everybody seems to have competing thoughts. Some just want to shut everything down to get rid of the virus. Others are concerned about jobs and the economy and, and how people live. Help them to come to a consensus that makes sense for uh, everybody. Give them your wisdom. Uh, Some people are scared to death about this virus, treating it as an apocalyptic plague. Others believe it's just a hoax. But Lord, you know the truth. And help us to make wise decisions based on good information. But through it all, help us to live by faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in just a moment, we'll be dismissed. Let me just give you a couple of final thoughts. I hope that's a blessing to you. Uh, Services are moving to a digital format. Uh, Live stream will be available tonight at 6 p.m., Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Of course, there's no scheduled outreach. Uh, We're moving to a digital form of outreach. And if you'd help us with that, post things online uh, about the gospel and such. Get out the word, uh, upgrade. Uh, our church is making some some thoughts as well. I think tonight, unless the Lord changes, uh, I'm going to preach a message about how to use coronavirus to better your life. How can you use coronavirus to better your life? Think about that. Uh, it's all bad. It's all terrible. You know, God knows what he's doing. God's got a plan. And there is a way or there are ways to take the situation happening now and be able to come out of this on the other side better than when we went into it. And so pray that God will give us wisdom. I pray for all the preachers and churches around that are are struggling with what to do and and to know what to do. Pray for our church folks. Some people have a little bit of cash set aside and doing fine. Other people living paycheck to paycheck are absolutely terrified. Uh, And so We all need prayer, we need love, we need encouragement, uh, and then let's trust God through it all. Amen? Uh, Let's stand, and you are dismissed. God bless.